Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. And we're going to talk about the Word of God and what He was trying to tell us. We talk about the Bible being the Word of God, but when I read the book, I see something far different than what I was taught when I was attending seminary back in 1962. And I think it's not any better today. I think it's probably worse today. They have steadily, for the last thousand years changed our view of the Bible, changed our view of the Gospels, changed our view of the Old Testament. And they have done this very cleverly. They have done it under a great uh, guise of holiness. And uh, we've fallen for it. I see the same process going on today in a modern governments where they have changed the way you view history. History... Your memory, the past, is a construct of your mind. And your mind is heavily influenced by what people tell you is true. I was, I was shocked when I discovered that I did not know who men like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson were. I had read about them in history books. But history books are opinions of men who give opinions based on what the next grant will allow. If you're giving out grants that to men who have the same opinion as you, before you know it, all the books have the same opinion as the men with the money. And the men with the money end up with more money because you never learn the message of the gospel. I mean, the guy who helped uh, Gutenberg uh, print the first Bible, he was martyred by these men. They accused him of witchcraft because he was printing so many darn Bibles. And they didn't want you to read it. And they suddenly knew that they couldn't do anything about it, that you were going to read it. It was getting around. So what they had to do is work twice as hard at distorting what you think it says. And they've been very good at it. And along comes us, these little guys out in the middle of nowhere. And start writing down, you know, this word doesn't mean that. What they say it means. Actually, it does mean what they say it means. In a lot of cases. You just never look up the meaning in the concordance. You know, we give, there's a lot of examples. The word world, the word God. I, I really should do a whole show just on the word Elohim. What it originally meant both in a physical sense and a spiritual sense, and why it means what it means in a physical sense, in a spiritual sense. What does it mean in a physical sense? It means ruling judge. All the magistrates were called gods in Hebrew and both in Rome. They were the ruling judges. But what did it mean in a spiritual sense? Well, who rules you? Who rules your mind? Who rules your heart? People tell you this is so. You know, there's a Santa. And you believe them. 
but you're only seven years old. So what do you think? You're maybe five. You're maybe four. So what do you think? Your parents are telling the truth. But then you discover they're not telling the truth. But you're older. And you accept it. But now you're what? 20? 27? 37? 38? 42? How old are you now? What do you believe that isn't true? That's the biggest problem. What did Mark Twain say? At least it was attributed to Mark Twain. It was also attributed to a plumber that he knew. It's not so much what a man knows, but... But... Uh, no, it's not so much what a man doesn't know, but what a man knows absolutely for sure that just ain't so. And that's what we're dealing with when it comes to the Word of God. Because so many people think, oh, it means this, and oh, it means that. And they they have a, a modicum of religion that they have been taught. And they don't really know what it means. They don't really know what it is saying. And when you try to tell them, oh, I mean, it's like you've attacked them. All you're doing is sharing with them the witness of what you know and what you see. If you're wrong, they should be able to come and say, well, no, that's not what it says here. This is what it says. And But no, they say, this is what I think it says. But they don't say I think. This is what it says, they say. But it's really only what they think it says. They don't bring any proof. They don't look at the Greek. They don't look at the Hebrew. Or they look a little bit at it, but then they don't look at all the other places in the Bible that it says something to the contrary. I mean, when I tell people the Bible is a book about government, people go, no, 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 it's about religion. What was Nimrod? What was Cain's first city-state? And Lamech, oppressing people. Was that religion? Or was that government? What was Egypt? What was Caesar? What was Saul? Aren't these governments? What was Moses leading people out of one government and saying, here's another form of government? I wrote somebody last night and, and said that there, he says, oh, you can't have a free government under natural law. It's impossible. It never was. I says, well, you've got to have a, in order to have a government, he says, you have to have taxes. I says, well, Israel didn't. He says, show me a site. The whole darn Bible, first 400 years. There were no taxes. It was a little tiny token that you had to pay to kind of ante up, to say, yeah, I'm a part of this go on record, just a tiny little token, like a little ring, a, a, a penny. We do the same thing when we create congregations of record. You have to give a token to say, you know, and, and we really should be saying they have to give that token every year. That's what it said in the Bible. I never really thought about it, but really they should give that token every year. We should say you have to give a dime. Your dues is one dime a year or the equivalent thereof. And then we know that you really are serious. Or at least you're still thinking about being serious. Serious is when you give half of everything you have. That's serious. And you don't give it to me. You give it to your local congregation. Your local congregation uses it for the good of everybody in it. Because you love one another. What's the big deal? I mean, we've got millions of people sending money way off to some preacher thousands of miles away who's never going to do anything for them except tell them more words. That's fine to support preachers. Fine to do that. 
They need your support, probably. But what, what are you doing? What are you doing to show your love for one another? Are you gathering together? Or are you going to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other? That's what Cain did. That's what Nimrod did. That's what Pharaoh did. That's what Caesar did. But that's not what Christ did. And that's not what he told you to do. When I was getting ready for this program, I was thinking, oh, what am I going to write it on? You know, I go to save the audio file. And I think, oh, what do I call this? And I just put down Word of God. What is the Word of God? You know, actually, I, I looked up a bunch of quotes in the Bible to see what, what he says about a number of different things. And I uh, got Matthew 5.39 here. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now, we actually have a article coming out on News with Views called Unarmed and Dangerous. It talks about the fact that you should have, you should be armed. Well, why should you be armed if you're going to turn the other cheek? Because we're not talking about somebody slapping you in the cheek. We're talking about somebody murdering your children. Murdering your wife. Murdering your whole neighborhood. Killing you all. Aren't you willing to risk your life to protect their life? If you're not, you shouldn't call on somebody else to risk their life to protect your life. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be allowed to call the police unless you arm. The right to bear arms for years and years and years meant the responsibility to bear arms. If you would not arm yourself, if there was danger and they called a hue and cry to come out and face that danger and you fled, you might not be allowed back in the community when you come back. What does it mean to be allowed into the community? Now, if you own land, they, they really shouldn't take that land away. They really shouldn't tar and feather you like they often did. They really shouldn't do that. But they should stone you. Now, what do I mean by stone? Do I mean hit you with rocks? No. The ministers of their congregations of ten families were stones, living stones. Same as it was in the first century church. And if you were a coward, you did not work, you did not contribute to the whole of community, that stone should know that you are not a contributor. You are not a forgiver. You are not a giver. And neither should you receive. In other words, no social welfare for you. So whatever people paid in, it would not come to you when your time of need came. Or if it did, it would come in very small amounts because that's all you gave was very small amounts of yourself. Self-regulating societies do this all the time. Now, they may be forgiving and make sure that you don't actually starve to death, but you will not have as nice accommodations. Now, the world has another system. They force everybody to give. And their ministers exercise authority one over the other. And their ministers take from you to provide for the needy of their society. 
And they got you to sign up for such a system because they offered it. We will force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. Everybody will have to give who becomes a member of this system of Corvi. It was really presented as a system of Corbin. But it was also a system of Corvi. Now you probably don't know what those words mean. You lack knowledge. And yea, but for the lack of knowledge, maybe you would know what the Bible is really talking about. It's talking about real love. Love in action. Corbin was, is the word for sacrifice. Everybody in the community, in the congregations of ten, were expected to sacrifice, but they sacrificed according to the service of their minister. They picked the minister based on his ability to come and serve one another because they also wanted to serve one another. They came to serve because they had the character of God. Matthew 5:45, That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son... It actually says S-U-N. To rise on the evil and on the good. And sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. How will you fend off that evil? How will you fend off that rain? Will you come like his son, Jesus Christ? How did Jesus come? To rule over his neighbor? To rule over you? Or did he come to serve? If you're reading the Bible at all, you need to gather together to serve. You don't go to church because it makes you feel good. You go to church because it's your opportunity to do good. To be of service. But you've got churches out there saying, Oh, you don't have to do anything. They actually tell you that. They base it on a handful of quotes. Taken out of context. But you want to believe that's true. And so you let them get away with that. I don't intend to let them get away with that. If you tell me you believe, but you aren't doing what Christ said, you're a liar. You have taken his name in vain. Your belief is a lie. It's false. It's what you want to believe. It's not the truth. Matthew 6, 1. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. What was going on then? Your alms were a payment in to the scribes who recorded them. And it was a compulsory payment because you had entered into a system of Corbin, a system of sacrifice where you had to pay in and you were guaranteed benefits if you had need. Meeting statutory requirements set down by the Sanhedrin. That was your Corbin. That was your social welfare. But that welfare was a snare, as Paul says. They don't tell you Paul says that the welfare was a snare when he quotes David who said the same thing. They don't tell you about that because they've already let you get caught in that snare. Because they say, if you have a need, go to the men who exercise authority one over the other. But call themselves benefactors. But they aren't benefactors. They are men who exercise authority and take from your neighbors so that you can have these benefits. 
over and over again in the Bible, it tells you not to do that, not to be that way. Put a knife to your throat when you sit with men who exercise authority one over the other. Because they serve you deceitful benefits. But you've gone and done it because you've listened to these wolves in sheep's clothing, these ignorant pastors who do not know the gospel of the kingdom. Oh, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And they deny the possibility of that power living in you. Because they say you have to do nothing. But Christ said you had to do all kinds of stuff. What I did was I looked up everywhere. It says that ye. That's all I did is look everywhere in the Bible where it says that ye. You know how many times it says that in the Bible? Hundreds, hundreds, hundreds of times. Matthew 6, 1. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. In other words, when you join the system of Corban set up by Herod, the system of Corban of the Pharisees that made the word of God to none effect according to Christ, your arms were recorded and your reward was guaranteed by men who exercise authority. So you're not going to get your reward in the kingdom of heaven. You've already got your reward, your social security payment. That's it. That's all you get. You have decided to live by the sword of those men who exercise authority one over the other, those benefactors who are not benefactors, but men of authority who only take from others. It was socialism that Herod had set up. It was being set up the same way in Rome. It wasn't that way from the beginning, but it had become that way. They had a system of Corbin, identical, run through their temples, identical. Herod even built the temple of Roma, doing the same exact thing. For those who wanted to use this name, Roma, instead of Yahweh, and he would have built ones that want to say Jehovah. And he would have built ones that want to say whatever. But he wasn't going to build them according to the character of God. Which is based on free will choice. The fellow who thought, oh, there's never been a government that operated by free will choice. It's right there in the biblical text over and over and over again. Free will offering, free will offering, free will peace offering. The first time an offering was forced was Saul. And Samuel came in and said, your kingdom will not stand because you have done this foolish thing. And you all do it every day. You force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. You will not get the reward of your Father in heaven. And how many times did he say, go and cry out to the gods, the gods, the Elohims which you have chosen for yourself, those men in black who sit up there and say, you have to give. You chose that. Now you have to pay. I'm not saying stop paying your taxes. I'm saying start seeking the righteous ways of Christ. That's what he said. He didn't say get out of the system. Eventually, after... Way at the end in Revelation, it says, Be ye not partakers of their sins. Partakers, what does that mean? It doesn't mean don't pay in. It means don't take out. But I know you have to take out. Many of you are bound in this system now. 
But you need to start working for righteousness. You need to start working for a way in which you can be separate. I just read about a, a an intentional community that's starting up. Universal something or other trust. I haven't looked at their documents yet, but they're talking about separating from governments and going under natural law. I don't know if they have any idea what they're doing. But of course, that's exactly what the early church did. But they had a right to do it. And the fact is, if you return to Christ and start doing what He said, you have a right to do it too. But you've got to return first. Don't set sail till you built the boat. You've got to do the, the labor, the work. That's what the Israelites were doing when they were in the bondage of Egypt for years under plagues and difficulties. You have not received those plagues yet, but they are coming. You need to repent. You need to turn around. You need to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You need to come together with the intention to serve others. To sacrifice in righteousness for the welfare of others. And stop sacrificing your neighbors by asking men who exercise authority to take away from your neighbor so that you may feel secure. You have followed a way that is the antithesis of Christ. You're worried about the Antichrist coming? You are the Antichrist. Now, maybe you have been seduced into that. Maybe you have been fooled into that. He said a strong delusion would come and even the very elect would be deceived. But you have been deceived. But now maybe you're waking up. Maybe you're hearing that people worried about America becoming a socialist nation. It's been a socialist nation for over 150 years. Public school is socialism. Social Security is socialism. 1933, public schools. What was it, 1854? Oh, they had a few around. Most of them were not entirely supported by funds. They were supported partly by funds from governments, places like Massachusetts. But even until the 1900s, most of the people educated in America were by far educated by private means. Not by public schools. And you had most of the people having a certain idea about responsibility. But today, almost everybody is educated by public schools. And those that are not, their they're grandparents and, and are taken care of by Social Security. Public dole. Social Security is the public dole. You say, I have paid in. You paid in for the needy at the time you were working, now you make those who work today pay in for you. And you do so by asking men who exercise authority one over the other to go out to your neighbor's house and force them at gunpoint to pay in to you. And if they don't join your club, you ostracize them from every avenue of commerce according to public law. Title 42, Section 666. You've been deceived. Now, that's okay. God is forgiving. I'm forgiving. 
as God will give me the power. Repent. Turn around. Start coming together for the purposes of God the Father to set men free in the perfect law of liberty by faith, hope, and charity. That's where you need to go. And we'll show you how to get there. We'll show you the way. We'll show you His truth and His light. But you must turn. You must turn and go the other way. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're talking about the Word of God. What was the good word, the good news? What was he really trying to tell you? He was trying to tell you to do something. And that's why over and over again you see in the Bible that ye may, that ye do this, that ye do that. If I if I go to the book That Kingdom's Come in the back, we have an appendix there. And we cover different words like consent and and commandments and how the Bible treats these words. But there's one word, doeth, that shows up over and over and over again. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of the Father, which is in heaven. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon the rock. And in Matthew 7.26, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto the foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Remember the foolish virgins who went off and did their own thing and, and burnt their oil that was given to them until there was not enough oil, and then they wanted in, and they knocked on the door, and God did not let them in. The Master did not let them in. How many of you are foolish virgins? You have been paying your oil into the men who call themselves benefactors, but exercise authority one over the other. You should not have been doing that, but you have. And when your time of need comes, God will say, go and cry unto them. You see, I'm not going to give you the message, oh, just accept Jesus and then He just loves you and He's just going to save you. He says He's not even going to let the foolish virgins in. He get, he get ye from me, you workers of iniquity. He says to all kinds of people who say, oh, yeah, we're Christians. We've done all these great things. He says, get ye from me, you workers of iniquity. What are the workers of iniquity? Those that did not do what he said. He said you are not to be like the benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. You are to take care of one another through the free will offerings of Moses and the free will offerings of the early church that takes care of one another through love. If you don't, you will have a different kind of society that does not care, that cowers before danger that does not put its life on the line for its brother because it's never even put a dollar on it on the line for its brother. It has lost the, the grace of God because it did not have grace for one another. All it had was the sword, the point of the sword, didn't tribute. 
Your whole system of government is based on the Antichrist message of Cain and Nimrod and the wicked Pharaoh and the evil Caesars. And you sit there and think it's okay to take from my neighbor as long as I feel safe. That's a lie. You are not safe. You are in the unrighteous mammon. Jesus says in Matthew 6.19, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. What is in your treasury in the nation where you live? Nothing but debt. Nothing but debt. Your entire economic systems in one country after another is based on debt. And you think you're practicing capitalism. Capitalism, you own your land. You own your labor. And you have capital. Value that you invest. You don't invest value anymore. You invest debt. You've gone so far from the kingdom. It's unimaginable. You're, it's not that thieves and robbers might break in and steal what? There's nothing there but debt. You've already lost. You're already in bondage. You're already under a strong delusion. You're already the Antichrist. The beast is risen up and you are he. Repent. Turn around. Go the other way. You're like the prodigal son. His father would have forgiven him, but not until he turned around and came back to serve. You can't serve enough to pay for the debt. You can't get out of that debt. You're in bondage. These people wanting to go off and start intentional communities and say, I have broken all my ties with the governments of the world. Have they agreed to that? Where is that fellow going who says that in that intentional community I mentioned earlier in the show? I won't mention it again because I haven't researched it enough. But where is he taking you? He's taking you down to the shores of the Red Sea and he's telling you you're free. The problem is the armies of the Pharaoh are going to come down on you with everything they have. And I have to ask you, is the power of God going to stand between you and them? Not if you have not come in the name of the Father. Now what does it mean to come in the name of the Father? To come with His character. To serve. To give life. To give up your life. Yes, so that you may have life more abundant. But by His means. Not taking away from your neighbor. Not coveting your neighbor's goods. His sweat. His toil. Every government in the world today is predicated on the idea that it's okay to take from your neighbor to provide you with social welfare. And people can't even imagine a society that would operate by faith, hope, and charity. They can't even imagine it. They say, oh, you're looking for some kind of utopia. Sure, why not? I, I want to be practical about it. 
But that's what I'm looking for. The utopia called the kingdom of God. And His righteousness is required to find it. His virtue must flow through you. How do we know it is? It's got to start somewhere. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, he says, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. How do you do that? How do you lay up those treasures? You gather together and give to one another in righteousness to strengthen one another, to raise up one another in righteousness and virtue. And if your neighbor is not virtuous, don't strengthen him in his sloth. Don't support him in his wickedness. Rebuke him. As many as I love, I also rebuke. You are being lazy. If you don't get up and start doing more, I'm not going to help you out. You can stay here in the gutter and wait for the men who call themselves benefactors and exercise authority. Because you keep doing the same thing over and over again. But if you want to change and turn around and work and strive and struggle to seek the kingdom, then come. I will help you. I will help you up. And we will be brothers in Christ. Where is your treasure? Is it in Fort Knox? I doubt it. Where is it? Where could it possibly be? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. Single in its ways, in the ways of God, the ways of service, the ways of giving, the way of forgiving. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. Where are you looking for your salvation? Where are you looking for your security? If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. When I talk about socialism being the antithesis of Christ, oh, they hate that. They hate that. But you cannot be a socialist and the follower of Christ. You cannot say, I am going to force my neighbor to take care of my welfare needs and the welfare needs of my society. I'm going to force him at the point of a gun by hiring men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. And say also that you believe in Christ. It is, they are not compatible. Verse 25, Therefore I say unto thee, Take no thought of your life, what ye shall eat, and what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on, is not life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they 
sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Now, he's not saying don't plow the fields and don't put up grain and don't store food. Certainly you should do that. He's saying stop worrying about it to the point where you are willing to covet your neighbor's goods in order to make sure there's enough there. I can tell you right now there isn't enough there. There will only be enough there by divine intervention. You've gone so far from the kingdom, there is no salvation without God now. It will take a miracle. But he's told you over and over again, if you go the ways of Saul's and Pharaoh's and Caesar's, I will not hear you. And you have all gone that way. Now, I know some of you have thought, I want to teach my kids at home. Great, that's a God's kingdom sign. I know others who who pay their taxes and think, well, we need to pay the taxes because we need to support people and we need to help the elderly and, we, and this is the way to do it because it's the only way to do it because your churches aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be taking care of them through faith, hope, and charity. Until then, you may have to pay your tally of bricks, but start gleaning in the field to take care of your own benefits. And start gathering together so you can t- be a benefactor to each other that does not exercise authority. Which of you, by taking your worry, can add one cubit unto your stature? Why take you thought of raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. This is what he's talking about. You want the covering of the state? They are filthy garments. And I know you're bound in that system. I know you can't get out of your own. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about coming together and gathering together to be a benefit to others. God will not come to your aid unless you do that. Because unless you do that, you do not believe in Christ because He came to aid, to serve. You need to turn around. Therefore, take no thought saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. He said we weren't to be like the Gentiles, the other nations, who have their benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. Once you understand this is a common theme, go back to John the Baptist. Go back to understand that Herod was baptizing people into the kingdom of heaven. He was bringing them into a social welfare system by signing them up through baptism. And scribes who wrote down their name and they were having to pay in a certain amount based on statutory requirements and their own personal income. They would pay that in. They would actually go out to your your grain fields and measure them, knowing that one-tenth had to go into this coffer, and another tenth to this, and another tenth to that. Had to go in. And they would measure it out. 
because they were scribes, they were accountants. That's what Herod was setting up through baptism. But John the Baptist was out there saying, no, no, we have another system. We have another intentional community out here by law doing something different. If one of ours has no coat, we will give him one from our own personal coat. If we have two, we will share so that he will have one and we will have one. That is the treasure of the kingdom. Who holds the key to the treasury of the kingdom of God? You do if you will pick it up. Christ didn't just give the keys to the kingdom to Peter. He gave them to all of us. Whatever you do on earth, it is already recorded in heaven. If you do not give to others, you will not be given to. If you will not forgive others, you will not be forgiven. If you will not come together to serve others, nobody will come and serve you in your hour of need. But if you will come to serve others, God will send somebody to serve you, even if the one that you served is no more there. He will have somebody come out of nowhere suddenly and say, I'll help you. Because God is working in this world through men and women who serve Him by serving others. That is the kingdom of heaven. And that's why He says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought of the morrow. How many of you are always searching the Scriptures to know what the future will bring? Why do you think he encrypted it? It's not important. What's important is that you live in the moment. The past is a construct of your own mind. The future is outside of your control. The only thing you can do anything about is the presence. And is God present in your presence? Is he with you? He cannot abide in a selfish person. He cannot abide in an unforgiving heart. He cannot abide in, in a greedy soul who taketh away the life of others. His ways is sufficient unto the day. His, his ways will protect you from the evil. This is the way of Christ. This is the way of the kingdom of God, which is at hand. Will you follow that way? Or will you go another way? The way of the world. One of those words you need to understand the meaning of. Matthew 9, 6, But that ye may know that the Son of God hath power on earth to forgive sins, ye saith he to the sick and the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, 
and go unto thine house. We are living in a zombie apocalypse. And the zombies are those who want to devour you. They have no soul. They think there's nothing wrong with taking from their neighbors. They vote for bills that will tax the widows and orphans with inheritance tax. And they say, yeah, but we need more money in our coffers. They are zombies. They are the zombie apocalypse of today. You need to go another way. You need to go according to the ways of Christ. You need to turn around and He will breathe life in you zombies. And you will stop devouring your neighbor and He will give you strength from within. Because that is where the kingdom starts. That is what you must do. That is what you must seek. How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's talking about their system of social welfare, their Corbin of the Pharisees that makes the word of God to none effect. They puff you up with pride, but they turn you into arrogant zombies that will devour your neighbor's houses and devour their being with your wantonness. We need more. We need more. And you've done this now for year upon year, decade upon decade, until you are in debt. And you say to the gods which you have chosen, get us out of debt. And they say, no. They, they continue to drag you down and bleed you dry. You are dry. Now they are sucking the flesh out of you. You eat, they are eating your children of tomorrow because they are so greedy for gain. They are so greedy for comfort. They did not come to serve, but to exercise authority one over the other. And they are there because you put them there. You put them there through your sloth and through your own greed. And you who will not repent will be swallowed up and devoured. And there's nothing I can do about it, but for those of you who will repent, and turn around and seek the ways of Christ. You need to actually start gathering together in earnest. You need to stand up and say, I will gather with you. I will do what I can. You do not pledge to us. You pledge to the Father in heaven. And you, you seek His ways. But you're not doing that. So many of you are not doing that. You need to turn around. You need to repent. And then you can be baptized both in water and in fire. Because fire is coming. How is it that ye do not understand that I spake unto you con not concerning bread? How? How is it that you do not understand that? Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones... For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. He's talking about these little ones, these children. As well as the children of God and the brothers of God who seek God's and sacrifice all so that you may have life more abundant. They give of their life. They come to serve. 
What preacher's come to serve other than himself? He's not preaching to you the, the hard truths that you need to know, the whole truth, so that you can provide for it. Provide for it how? By providing for others. How can you provide for others unless you come together? In Matthew 19, 28, he says, And Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the generation when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory and ye shall sit upon twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. How do we judge? Well, I thought we were to judge not. What is He talking about? If some will do righteousness, judgment will come for those who refuse to do righteousness. It's built into the nature of the system. This intentional community talking about the law of nature. Do they really understand the law of nature? Do they, if they did, they would really understand the gospel when they heard it. And I know they may not have heard it. But you're hearing it here on Keys of the Kingdom. And we will continue with every breath to preach to you the gospel of the kingdom. And we will do that again in the next show of Keys of the Kingdom. Until then, may peace be upon your house. And God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, hello, I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God again on Keys of, on Keys of the Kingdom. And uh, we're talking about the Word of God and what it really means. And it's rather disconcerting for many. We're iconoclastic here. We're going to tear down the walls that have been built between you and the true Word of God. The walls have been built of lies and deceptions and twisting little amounts of the Word. So that you think you're saved and you're not. That you think you're doing the will of God and you're actually doing contrary to the will of God. Isn't that what evil would want you to do? We actually live in a battlefield between two worlds. And in that world, there is evil that wants to deceive and devour you and take your life 
to feed itself. In order to do that, you must put on the character of evil. You must devour others. Isn't that what, if you were joining the mafia, and the mafia wanted to control and manipulate and even kill people in order to get their, uh, the, get an army of people that were loyal to them, the first thing they want you to do is do the wickedness that they do. They would want you to kill somebody. They would want you to do something evil. Once they got you to do something evil on their behalf, then you were a part of the club. And that's what they do. They want you to covet your neighbor's goods. They didn't start necessarily with the first commandment, although they did, or the second, or the third, or the fourth, or the fifth, although they got you killing pretty regular now. Millions of unborn children are killed. People in other countries are killed by the millions blown apart and destroyed. They got you doing that. They got you sitting idly by and letting it happen. Paying into it and making it happen. And that's ex exactly what they said in First Samuel. That when you elected this leader who could exercise authority to fight your battles for you and to uh, protect you rather than come together and protect one another, you wanted somebody else to do it for you. So you elected your Saul. The voice of the people elected Saul. God said, you know what he's going to do? He's going to make his instruments of war and he's going to take your sons and make them run before his chariots. That's exactly what he's done. He says he was going to take the first fruits of your labor. That's what he's doing. This whole description of taking, 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 and even taking your daughters. Which is what he's done. This is what's happened everywhere, everywhere in the world. That's what's happening. That's where you're at. And that was called a rejection of God. So what are you going to do about it? How are you going to do something different? What are you going to do that would be different? That's what he's been telling us in the Bible, in the Word of God. He's telling us what we can do that's different. He tells you that you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. When have we have not heard of wars and rumors of war? We've already had two world wars. And, we're, and the, these little wars that we're having now, we drop more ordinance in Iraq from the United States which is just one government. There were all kinds of governments involved. It wasn't just the United States, although the bill was mostly picked up by the United States. More ordinance in that little tiny country about the size of Texas than we dropped during World War II. And they weren't all smart bombs. Sometimes they were really stupid bombs and they killed the wrong people. We're talking millions have died in that country. Millions have died in that country. And yet we know that country was a dictatorship ruled by a man of power. Yet we are killing the people. Every day. We're killing the people. And then you wonder why they're mad at you. What part of that can't you figure out? But I don't want to get into their politics. I want you to turn around and look at... I want you to step back and look at the world differently 
with greater wisdom and understanding than you had be at the beginning of this show. Now, the last show, we, we talked about the fact that the Bible is about government. It's about how you govern yourselves and how most of you are governors by governments who exercise authority. Yet Christ said, you were not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who exercised authority one over the other. You, he also said, if you want eternal life, you had to keep the commandments. And one of those commandments is to make no covenants with them nor with their gods. And their gods are the ones that supply you with the benefits. Those are the ones who exercise authority, who rule and judge and make laws for you. And we can go through that in detail over and over again. I mean, we have the audios, we have the videos, we have the books. All for free. But it does cost. It costs you your delusion. I want you to wake up. I want you to start doing what's right. To work at doing... Stop trying to preach your doctrine. And just do what's right. Just do what's right by your neighbor. Gather together and say, what can we do that's right? How can we serve one another? Not weaken one another. We want to help one another with their, their burdens, but we don't want to carry them on litters of irresponsibility. Everybody has to come saying, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And you say, well, no, nobody in our congregation needs help. It's not just about your congregation. It's about every other congregation that has not yet formed yet. They have not yet come together. They have not heard the message. Are you the total social welfare of your congregation and community of congregations? No. You aren't. But you could become that. You have to work at it. Sometimes people are asked, you know, you want to join and help us? And they say, oh yeah, well, I, I like talking with you, but I don't want to do anything. I can't, I can't give you any real time. I'm just on here to entertain myself for this evening. It's nice to talk about guys who talk about liberty. It doesn't work that way, folks. You know, Christ didn't say in the Garden of Gethsemane, He said, I really don't have time for all this. You know, I was I was going to go hang out with Mary Magdalene and we were going to catch a movie. You know, and, you know, I've got I got some other projects going that I, I, I need to take care of. This whole crucifixion thing, that's a drag. I, I don't think I'm going to do that. That's not the way Christ approached it. That will be done. Can you do that? Can you say that will be done? Can you go the ways of Christ? Matthew twenty six forty one says, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And and we aren't even on hard times yet. We're coming to hard times. Can we come together and really sacrifice? Yeah, but what's in it for me? <laughs> Forget it. If you're going to ask that, you're on your own. You, don't, you haven't even heard what I'm talking about yet. The kingdom of heaven is not in you. Because Christ didn't say, what's in it for me, Lord? 
He did the hard job. You don't have that hard a job. You know, when Peter said you know, he would follow him, he says, you, you don't know what you ask. He found out. You know, we have, those of us who are beginning to see the kingdom of God, we have received a gift. We may have to pay for that. We can't pay the full price, but we may have to pay. Christ paid the full price, but Peter had to pay. He did it willingly. He went back and did it willingly. Are you willing to go back and do it willingly? To serve, to sacrifice yourself? How much are you willing to sacrifice? How difficult are you willing to let it become for you so that others may benefit and hear the gospel of the kingdom? Do you want just your little comfortable congregation? We got our congregation. The heck with the rest of you. God will say the same to you. I already have my angels. The heck with the rest of you. Because as you judge, so shall ye be judged. Matthew 28, 5, it says, And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not, ye for I know that ye seek Jesus, which is sacrifice, which is crucified. Fear not. Because you seek Jesus. You seek the ways of Jesus. You, you seek the purpose of Jesus. But if that's not what you're seeking, well, then you might as well go ahead and fear because you have something to be afraid of. Mark 2, verse 10. But that ye may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick and, uh, of the palsy. That ye may know that he has power. You should have that power. Greater things than these you shall also do. Why don't you have that power? Because you have not been striving and seeking his ways. You have been lied to by an apostate church who has deceived you about what Christ said to do. Not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who do it the will of God. Those who don't do it will not be given the grace. Not be given the gifts. He says, go and cry unto the others, that you, gods that you have chosen. And you have chosen many of them. And he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? You don't live by faith. All you people say, oh, we believe in Jesus. And we go to church and we... Do you believe in Jesus? Do you really believe in Jesus? Do you believe in what he said? If you want eternal life, you have to keep the commandments. Oh, no, you don't have to keep the commandments. You just have to believe in Jesus. But Jesus said, you have to keep the commandments. Oh, but he was talking about the Old Testament. That was before he was crucified. How much gymnastics is there going to be in your thinking to avoid the simple fact that God's not going to bring you into heaven unless it is written on your heart to obey the commandments? And if it is written on your heart to obey the commandments, you cannot keep yourself from obeying them. You would. I, I was talking to a fellow the other day. 
It was kind of funny. He was talking about those old Coke machines. I'll give you a little break. I won't keep beating you up. He's talking about those old Coke machines where the Cokes are all, uh, the pops are all lined up in these little grooves. And then, you you know, you would put it in your money and slide it over and you'd pull it out to the dispenser. He says, well, you know, if you had a pop bottle, you could actually pop the pop top off the lids of those pop machines and stick a straw down in there and, and get pop. And I said, no, I couldn't. He said, yeah, yeah, all you do is pop the lid off and put a straw down in there. He says, no, well, I couldn't do that. Because that would be dishonest. I would feel too guilty. And he says, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that's true, but I did all that before I was saved. But I got a lot of good pop out of it. <laughs> it reminds me of the scene in, what is it, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou, where the guy's goes down and gets baptized and he says that uh, all my sins are forgiven me. And they're washed away. Uh, that's when I robbed that Piggly Wiggly. Uh, that's all washed away. He says, wait a minute, you told us you didn't rob the Piggly Wiggly. Oh, yeah, I lied about that. But that, that sin's forgiven too. <laughs> I got a get out of jail card for free. You want to believe that, go right ahead. You think water has washed away those sins because you say you accepted Jesus. Maybe you're lying about that too. Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus. You just want to think you have and you have constructed the idea that you have accepted Jesus and you don't actually know who He is and you're still a worker of iniquity and your baptism is a lie, your salvation is a lie and you are not a part of the kingdom in any way, shape, or form. And in fact, you are a worker of iniquity fighting against the kingdom, fighting against Christ, being the Antichrist. And you can't figure it out because you're a zombie. You want to devour your neighbor. You want to devour the people round about you. You want to eat them. Because you have no life of your own. Because the kingdom of heaven is not within you. See? I come back and beat you up again. <laughs> I, the, the little story about the pot machine. I lulled you into a false sense of security that I wasn't going to rebuke you. As many as I love, I also rebuke. But the good news is you can turn around. You can change. You have to actually start taking steps. You have to actually start gathering together with the intention of taking care of one another and becoming the entire social welfare, the entire Medicare of your congregation and congregation of congregations in tens, hundreds, and thousands. You have to come together and actually seek to do that. You're not going to do that overnight. I remember when my son learned to walk, my oldest son learned to walk. He didn't walk. 14 months he wasn't walking yet. And all of a sudden, one day, he just decided, he, he'd seen this other little kid live next door, and they were walking. He couldn't keep up with them. And he decided, I'm going to learn to walk. One day, he just up, fell down, up, fell down, up, fell down, up, fell down. Fell asleep in the same spot. Just fell asleep right there, just exhausted. When I came home for lunch, he was laying on the floor asleep. He's been trying to get up all day and walk. 
Just decided, I'm going to walk. Today, I'm going to walk. Kept falling down. And then, finally, when I came home from work, his mother said, well, show Daddy. And so he walked over to me. Walked across the room with his hands up in the air and walked over to him. I put out my hands to pick him up. He just turned around and walked away with a big grin on his face. Didn't need to be carried anymore. I can walk. One day, he just decided to walk. That's the way he did it. Yeah, he didn't even crawl. He never crawled. He just rolled around where he wanted to go. He just rolled over to the next spot and rolled over to the next spot. <laughs> and that's the way he got it. We had a small apartment. But when he decided to walk, he walked that same day. Well, give you a little insight into my character. Is that we, it was still daylight out, so we went out to the, to the river where there was this nice grassy, smooth grassy bank, but it was sloped. And I set him down and I set him on the slope and he had to learn to walk on a slope. <laughs> and he fell down and he got up and he fell down and he got up. Because <laughs> he had learned to walk on flat ground. When it got to be a slope, it wasn't so easy anymore. <laughs> it took a little bit of the window. But he learned how to walk on the slope. I don't know, he's probably about 6'5 now and he can walk real good. <laughs> But the fact is, that's what life is all about. You have to decide and start taking steps to walk. You can't just think about walking. You can't just believe that you can walk. You have to actually start walking. The prodigal son had to turn around and start heading back to his father's house with the intent of being a servant. Are you willing to do that? Because if you're just going to be sorry and get dunked in water, you're just all wet when you come out of that water. And probably considerably self-deceived. Because you think all your sins are washed away. Because you said, Lord, Lord. But then when you go out in the world, you don't do it what He says. You do it whatever you darn well please. You don't do it with what God is pleased by. And so your sin remains. As you say, you believe, but you don't do it the will of the Father. All those quotes that I talked to you about before in the, the last show. Not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who do it the will of the Father. And those who don't do it the will of the Father. They should be counted as foolish men. I mean, you can read this over and over again. In Matthew twelve fifty, For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. If you're not doing the will of the Father, which includes not coveting your neighbor's goods, to the benefactors who exercise authority one over the other, then you're not his brother, you're not his Sister, you're not his mother. You're not his friend. I mean, Matthew 6, 2 and 3 and Matthew 8, 9 and Matthew 21, 28 through 31. Matthew 18, 23 through 35. Just goes on and on. It's all in the book, Thy Kingdom Comes. And there's so many more I haven't even added yet. We can go down to Luke 6, uh, 31. 
And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Why don't zombies eat zombies in the movies? Because zombies are already dead. They have to eat something that's alive. They're looking for you. If you start to repent, they're looking for you. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit because zombies can't swallow the, that. They're looking for all those people who are really down in their spirits like them. And they want to make you zombies too. And they're going to make it, and they already have made it, so that you cannot live in their society unless you join the zombie club. You have to become a devourer too of widows and orphans and needy of your society. You have to force, become a part of that system that forces the neighbors to contribute. You have to join the zombie club. You have to get numbered in the zombie club. And eat one another. And devour one another. And devour your children in the future with debt. You know, the quotes I have about, that right out of the Bible about eating your children. That's what you're doing. The, the, the prepare, you know, trying to avoid the fiscal cliff and they cut like, what, $38 worth of spending out of the normal budget of an individual. And they think that they're, and they're going to continue to overspend by trillions of dollars. And run you farther and farther into debt. They are devouring your children with that debt. How do you, you're going to vote again? Oh, 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 let's get out of the boat and change this. Let's get out of the boat and change this. Let's get out of the boat and change this. You keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. No, you have to do what Christ said. Come together and form an alternative society, an intentional alternative society based on faith, hope, and charity. And it's going to take more than signing a document, taking a pledge. It's about daily sacrifice. As you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. If you will not gather for the benefit of others, why should they gather for your benefit? You know, Luke said it too. Why are you calling me Lord, Lord? In Luke six forty six, And do not the things that I say, whosoever cometh to me... And heareth my sayings and doeth them. I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man who built his house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. But you're not doing what he said. You're doing the exact opposite. But all we have to do is believe. Then why did Jesus say, strive to enter at the straight gate? For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Many. You can't just get in by believing. He said strive. He said strive. Write it down. Those that say you don't have to strive. Another, another place in the Bible that says that strive not. But it's a different Greek word. It's not the striving you see there. It means to argue and fight. It doesn't mean to struggle. It means to struggle against one another. 
like what you're doing. <laughs> you send men out with guns to collect. Remember in church when they used to have those baskets? No, you used, I don't know. Some churches used a plate that he passed along, some uh, baskets. Sometimes they had these ushers that would have the baskets on the big long poles and they'd reach them out in front of you. Well, that's not the way you collect for your needy. You send men out with guns. You live by the sword. And God is taking note. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. What do zombies hate? I just, vampires really hate the light, but in some of the shows they have the zombies hating the light. They come out at, the, at night in the dark. That's when they really like to come out. They hate the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. They don't like to look in the mirror. Isn't that what vampires don't like to look in the mirror? They don't want to see themselves as they are. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. He's willing to see what he's done. Are you willing to see what you have done and what you have become as a nation of people? Are you willing to repent and turn around and do something different? Most of them will not. They do not want to repent. They do not want to change their ways. You don't have to wait till they change their ways. You just have to change your ways. And you can't change your ways unless you gather together with others who are changing their ways. And that is called church. But that's not what they're doing in your church. What they're doing in your church is lulling you into a delusion, a false sense of salvation, where you don't have to do it the word of the Father. You can just say you believe. It's like the prodigal son. I, I don't really want to walk all the way back to my father's house, but I will just close my eyes and tap my heels together and believe that I'm headed back to my father's house. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You have to take steps. You have to turn faith into action. You can't do enough. Got it. You're not going to earn your way back. Got it. That's what they mean. That's what Paul means. You cannot earn salvation. It's still going to be by grace. But you got to start keeping the commandments. And Paul said, Thou shalt not covet. And if you're still coveting your neighbor's goods to the agency of men who call themselves benefactors who exercise authority, then you have not repented. And you do not believe. If you think that's okay to be a part of the unrighteous mammon, then you don't believe. Now, if you realize you shouldn't be a part of that and you don't want to be a part of that and you cannot survive without being a part of that, then suffer. But start striving to seek that straight gate that ye may enter into it. Not to save yourself, but to save others. Christ came to save others. Why aren't you coming together to save others? Oh, I got my congregation. I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to mess with the other kind. I'm, I'm really busy. Not good enough. You got to get busier. You have to put in overtime. You got to stay up till 2.45 and get her done. That's what I do. <laughs> well, we'll be back in a little 
bit and we'll talk more about what you can do. And some of the ideas that we've been coming up for that intentional community based on the character of Christ and the ways of our Father who art in heaven. And we'll be back. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Yeah, some of the things that we're doing to create that alternative or intentional community. We're not we're not jumping from the frying pan into the fire. We're not, uh, you know, dashing out of Egypt and saying we're free, we're free. Uh, it's very clear that when Israel find its found itself in the bondage of Egypt, which is where everybody is today in all these countries. They didn't just rush out into the desert. They started to fill each other's water flasks. They started to take care of one another during these famines. It rains on the just and the unjust alike, as I said in the beginning of this series. And it's going to rain on you. And it's going to rain fire and brimstone and hard times and all kinds of difficulties and calamities and diseases and wars and all kinds of things are going to come in every single country. Uh, there is no escape to another country. There's an escape to another way. And you have to start finding that way. Don't just save yourself and your family. You're going to have to start gathering together in a community network, in, in an international community network of people because that is the nature of the kingdom. And right now we can communicate all across the country because there are mechanical means and electronic means in order to do so. We have people traveling around that can meet with you. Huge advantage when these people actually come into physical contact with one another. And and some of the people that we may have going around are not as full of the Holy Spirit as they may be in five years or ten years from now or two years or next year. But they're seeking the kingdom and you're seeking it. Maybe they only have a denarii's worth of Holy Spirit in their napkin, but they're not just keeping it in their napkin. They're using it. They're spending it. And with that will come more. It's a process. First you learn to walk, then you learn to walk on hills. And then you can learn to walk on water. Now, am I saying that figuratively or literally? Well, it doesn't matter. The point is, is the principle of the thing. You learn by doing. You don't learn by just thinking and reading and, and looking at emails. You learn by actually getting out and getting your sleeves rolled up and your hands in the dirt. That's how you learn to garden. That's how you learn to bear fruit. Jesus says, And he rose up and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Faith isn't just an idea. It actually makes a difference. And, and Christ could do this because Christ was walking in faith. He was serving in faith. He was doing what his father has asked him to do. If he didn't, he would lose the power. That's why you don't have the power. And they feared exceedingly and said unto another, 
What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? How is this possible? We need to take a hard look at the faith that we claim to have. In Mark 7 and 9 it says, And he said unto them, Oh well, ye reject the commandments of God that ye may keep your own traditions. What was he talking about? What was he talking about there in, in 7 9? In Mark. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, whose curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban. That is to say, a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. He shall be free. And he suffereth him no more to do aught for his father and his mother. Making the word of God of none effect through your traditions. Which ye have delivered and many such things do ye. He was talking about a system of social security set up by the Hasmoneans and Herod where you were baptized and became a member and were numbered in the temple by the scribes and were guaranteed the benefits of old age pensions and and uh, disability uh, pensions at the expense of your community. But it was collected not as free will offerings but by compulsory offerings determined by the gods which you have chosen, which was your Sanhedrin, your Congress. They say you had to give in this much or that much. And they went out and collected it. And they forced that collection with swords. And it was making the word of God to none effect. It was dividing the community. It was separating the people. It was making them fit to be nothing but subjects of tribute. And that's what's happened to your society. And it will not change unless you change. Unless you turn around and go the other way. It is not what enters into your mouth that really defiles you. It's it's what's coming out of you. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he, he saith unto them, Are ye without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into a man and cannot defile him because it entereth not into his heart but into his belly and goeth out into the drought purging all meat and he said that which cometh out of a man is what defiles him this is the fruit that you bear and he goes on to say for from within out of the heart of men proceedeth evil thoughts adulteries and fornications and murders and theft and covetousness and wickedness and deceit and lasciviousness and evil eye and blasphemy 
and pride and foolishness. What foolishness? Foolishness of Saul who said he was going to force a sacrifice of the people. But you all force a sacrifice. You have all become Saul's in your democracies and force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare and sin against God and become those human zombies that wandereth about in service of the beast devouring who they will. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. But your belief is, is thoughts if your actions are not of God. He's talking to the believers in the ways of God. He said that He will not hear your prayers if you go the way of Saul's. What Samuel describes in, in the voice of the people picked Saul's to rule. Saul was a great guy. He said, I want a man who can exercise authority and make things right for me. I do not want to trust in my neighbor. I don't want to set my neighbor free. I want to bind my neighbor to my rulers so that my neighbor has to guarantee my welfare. Now, I don't know how many ways I can tell it, but you tell people that, oh, that, you can't do that. You can't, you can't live by faith. You can't live by hope. You can't live by charity. You have to have governments that exercise authority because a lot of people won't give in. I had a, a number of church ladies say that they wanted to have a health clinic. And I was helping them create that health clinic. And then one day somebody came in and said, you know, we can't do this unless we get it on the tax rolls. And I said, if you want to get it on the tax rolls, I can't help you anymore. Because I can't be a party to forcing my neighbor to contribute. Oh, they got silent. They didn't want to do that. They wanted to go to the men who call themselves benefactors and exercise authority. But they still go to the church and they still think they're safe. But they can't see that that is... And now they see the world collapsing around them and they're thinking, why is this happening? We just wanted a health care clinic. We didn't want to bankrupt the nation. But see, once you set the president that it's okay to take from your neighbor for your personal benefit, then all your neighbors get to think it's okay to take from you for their benefit. And everybody's just taking and taking and taking and you're in the congregation of taking instead of the congregation of giving. You didn't want to wait till they chose to give. You didn't have patience. Fortunately, God has more patience than you. You don't live by patience. I can't be patient. i got to have my health clinic. You see, it's just the absolute antithesis of God. And your prayers will not be heard. And when you tell the wind to calm down, it won't calm down. When you say arise and walk, he won't arise and walk. In Luke 5, 24, he says, But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He saith unto the sick and the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. In Luke 6, 38, he says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. If you don't give, it will not be given unto you. Now, we have preachers that are not 
coming to serve, but they're coming to make you a meal for themselves. And they're telling you the same thing. They're saying, give to me and God will bless you. I'm not saying give to me. Give to whoever God tells you to give to. But give of your life in righteousness to strengthen the poor, to raise up those who repent, to make them whole again, to heal them. A different spirit in your contribution will change the, what the outcome will be. Right now, there's a health care bill that's coming. I guess it's already passed. It's going to be implemented in less than a year. And they may roll back some of it, but it's coming. It's already here. They're already paying for abortions, and you're paying for them. They're going to pay for a lot more things that you don't believe in and don't go along with and you think are immoral, and they're going to make you do it because you have no welfare system separate from theirs. The Amish are exempt. From what I understand, the Good Samaritan people are exempt. Your churches should all be exempt, but your churches are all corporations of the state. But the problem isn't unincorporating. I mean, we can show you how to organize a free church, and that's important. But the problem is, is that you're not being Christians. You're not being the kings and priests of a nation of people that operate on faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. You could come together like a good Samaritan plan, and we have people working on that. We need more. We need workers, not of iniquity, but of righteousness, that set up a voluntary plan that is not insurance, but mutual assurance of a brotherhood of people. How do you do that? Well, the good Samaritan people have a plan, but it's not of the kingdom. You need to gather together in those intimate congregations of ten so that you actually know what's going on. That you have oversight. That you are part of that oversight. And the minister you pick is a part of that oversight. And he goes and negotiates your bill. They don't just pay it. He goes and negotiates the bill. He doesn't have to pay it at the hospital. He goes and says, what is this bill? Let me look at it. Will you take this amount? And then people give in so that that amount can be paid. But more so because of the motivation is to serve in righteousness. You will come up with alternative methods of healing. Alternative medicine. You will just you will do it on your own. You will have to choose on your own. But you will have people everywhere seeking that alternative. Praying daily for that alternative. And you will come up with better solutions. And you will come up eventually as you walk in that way with instantaneous healings. And you won't know where they come from. Like the wind just suddenly calming down. And the sickness is suddenly going away. And you will not claim, I have healed so and so. You will say, your faith has saved you. Isn't that what Christ always said? Your faith has saved you. Once you understand he was preaching a government like John the Baptist was preaching, where those that had shared with those that didn't have by choice, by the perfect law of liberty, 
then you start understanding the fullness of the gospel. But as long as you want to be governed by men who exercise authority one over another, as long as you want to move according to those traditions that makes the word of God to not affect, rejecting the commandments of God to not covet the neighbor's goods, you will not know the miracle of his healing. You will be deceived by false healings. And you will be drained. I've told before about how many of these healing programs that you see where guys go and they have big crowds and they get everybody worked up and some people appear to be healed and you say, wow! I can guarantee if you surveyed everybody in that place, you would find that some people slept 10, 12 hours the next day because they were drained of energy. The energy that healed was real, but it did not come from God. It came from the emotional trauma of that gathering. You did not tap into the virtues of Christ. You tapped into a system of vampire, zombie, life-draining emotionalism. You will not see the evil that walks amongst you. They will embrace you. Demons walking in sheep's clothing will embrace you and you will kiss them. And they will devour you. All these legends. You know, actually, I just read an article the other day about in Bulgaria, they actually found people in their coffin staked down through the heart from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago when they put them in the coffin, they staked them down through the heart so that they didn't rise up and become vampires. And they find that all over the place. These fears that we have, these nightmares, these stories, are telling you what is actually going on in the spiritual realm. You've let in werewolves in your churches and they're devouring your children devouring the widows and orphans and the houses of widows how many of them are getting people to contribute way beyond their means supposedly to do the word of God while delivering their entire congregation back into the bondage of Egypt because their church is not the social welfare of their society like it was in early America, like it was in the early first century church. They are still sending you to those men that have put you into bondage. Take your sons and daughters. Make their instruments instruments of war. You need to create an intentional community of people that operate by faith, hope, and charity in the perfect law of liberty with free will offerings alone where you govern yourselves in righteousness. But you do not want to jump from the frying pan into the fire into these these uh, communities that are not well thought out, that are not based upon the ways of Christ and the ways of Moses. I don't care if you're Jewish. I don't care if you're Muslim by birth or by whatever. If you repent and turn around and start actually doing what Christ and Moses and Abraham said to do, build living altars of stone of men of faith that are friends to you because they come to serve 
If you will do that, God will put a pillar of fire between you and the pharaohs of the world and He will stop the wind that will blow upon this planet and knock down every wall you see. When the earth shakes, your feet will be rooted in the rock of faith. And you, or at least your children, will be spared. You will not be destroyed. Because you are a part of the ways of Christ. This is where you need to be going. This is the kingdom of heaven at hand. It requires that you go the way of the kingdom. The way of Christ. And he turned him unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see. You have not seen all these things. You've heard about them. But you can see them. Many will believe and do the will of the Father. Because it is written in their hearts, which is where the kingdom begins. But if the kingdom was really in your heart, then it would be in your hands and your feet. And you would walk in His ways. And we have abandoned His ways. And it was prophesied that it would happen. So that we can all see that we are all sinners. And that we, can, we all must turn around. But that is, that is great because it, it's, it gives us the opportunity of learning humility. And realizing that we cannot save ourselves. Truly you bear witness that ye allow the deeds of your father for they indeed killed them and ye build their sepulchres. This is your preachers today have more in common with the Pharisees. Oh, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They say that the kingdom is not at hand, that it's coming in 2,000 years. But the kingdom is at hand, and that's what we were told to preach. But the kingdom is a different form of government. It's a government where you must, for the sake of your spirit, serve one another, and govern yourselves according to righteousness. It's not a government where the ministers can rule over you. They cannot exercise authority one over the other. But they are ministers just the same. Your ministers are all down at the county seat in the state capitals and the whatever, you know, provincial offices. Those are the ones you pray to. This is a hard message, but it is it is a good message. It is a message of hope. Because many of you are beginning to turn around. Many of you are starting to gather together, at least contemplating, taking those steps up and fall down, up and fall down, up and fall down, like my son when he learned to walk. And occasionally I, I come home for lunch and find you sleeping. <laughs> like my son sleeping on the floor where he had got up and fell down. I did not wake him. I let him rest. But he eventually woke and got up and fell down and got up and fell down until he could walk. And when you can do that, God will take you out on the hillside <laughs> and see if you can learn to walk on the hillside when the hill is steep. And he will take you to the rocky ground and he will take you 
to places where it is sandy and difficult to walk and your legs will get stronger. And you will learn to walk in the ways of the kingdom. But you must seek to stand up in the ways of the kingdom. And that means you need to seek to stand together in the ways of the kingdom. That means you have to come together and become the social welfare system of your congregation and then of your congregations of congregations. And if you do not do that, then you are doing nothing in the name of the Father. You are not following in His ways. And He will not hear your prayers. And when the winds come, they will continue to blow. And when famine comes, He will not fill your grain bowl. And you and all your children will die. But don't come because of fear. Come because of righteousness. Don't come because it makes you feel good. Come because it is the opportunity to serve God by serving one another. Until we meet again, may peace be upon your house and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.